Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first WTF is Real Estate podcast. Uh, bear, woo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bear with us. Being the first one, we're going to be uh, learning technology here, which is always fun. Uh, my name is Nathan Gray. Of, um, yeah, I've been a realtor since December 25th, 2009. Uh, I'm a recruiter, and as a recruiter, I just wanted to sit here and help answer some questions that we keep hearing with uh, my pal Stevie. Hello everyone, my name is Stevie Susie. You may or may not know me from TikTok as the realtor role on TikTok. Um, and yeah, just like Nathan said, we are both uh, recruiters and we often hear the same questions uh, from new recruits, from veteran recruits, whatever it is, but just things about real estate. So today we're gonna dive into the first one ever and talk about common questions that we hear from brand new real estate agents, whether you just got your license or you're still in the process of studying basically what to do, what the steps are, what to expect, all that kind of stuff. We're going to help you guys out. Awesome. Uh, so we're going to dive right into it. Hopefully this only takes about a half an hour or so. Uh, and please, um, first and foremost, if you're watching this on YouTube, like and subscribe to this channel. Uh, we're going to be releasing these every single week. You'll have some great content. Some of it will just be about your questions. So ask questions. Some of it will be about feedback, news articles, whatever things to do with real estate. All whatever is real estate. Yeah, real estate. Really, you can't, don't just expect one thing. It's, it's going to be everything real estate related. So get ready. And I'm pretty confident we're going to agree on everything. So <laughs> uh, anyways, for the new agents out there, the very first question that we see a whole bunch is when to start interviewing brokerages. So I'll leave this one up to Stevie. Yeah. So this is a really, really commonly asked question. Um, I know that for a lot of places, I'm going to speak obviously on Toronto, like we're in the, in the Toronto area, the GTA. So speaking of our real estate course, which is through Humber, um, Humber college. And so there's a couple different groups and stuff that I know a lot of um, new realtors going through that program get to connect in. And it's one of the most common questions of when should I start interviewing with brokerages? I'm on this course. Is this too soon? When should I start doing it? My response to that personally, I would say it's almost never too early. I mean, I would definitely wait till you get at least about halfway through at the bare minimum. But once you start getting to that point, I think it's never too early to start doing your research. Um, ideally, best case scenario is that you actually will have your brokerage chosen by the time you do actually finish your exams. And the reason for that is that if you have a uh, your choice and you know where you're going, your brokerage will handle everything for you for the registration process. So it makes your life a lot easier and saves you from having to do it yourself. So I would say once you get bare minimum about halfway through, at that point in time, you're pretty much good to start interviewing if you want to. Yeah, and even with that, sometimes even when you're a little bit earlier in the process, and you have a good connection in the industry, remember, they can help you along the way with a lot of the classes and courses, help answer questions, help really get established uh, for sure. I know a few people who are brand new to the industry who I had the joy of really around the first or second course when we started chatting. Yeah. Yeah. So it really isn't ever too early. Uh, and also gives you a good idea of who's going to support you through that process as exactly. well. Exactly. On top of that too, like just like what Nathan was saying, a point that I missed is that if you do get connected with someone a little bit more early on and, and you kind of have an idea of where you want to go or just start doing your research, they can already start kind of including you in things. Obviously, there's there's certain um, boundaries of what you can do as an unlicensed person, but who knows what opportunities could come your way. You might even have the opportunity start to start shadowing. Yeah, start yeah. shadowing, work as an admin for someone, um, you know, while you're getting your license to kind of learn the ins and outs, even if it's just coming to certain training sessions and things like that. Um, yeah, you can have the opportunity to do that stuff a lot earlier on. The, and the interesting thing is I'm going to go a little bit of a different route with that because I agree 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to remember, too, um, these brokerages 
are a business and you're their client. So much like anything, like why wouldn't go buy my truck or a car? I think you're going car shopping afterwards. So go yeah. car shopping. <laughs> everybody has the best car that's out there. And obviously not everybody can be the best. So getting into the process early, um, every, every brokerage is going to tell you, oh, we have great education. We have great culture. We have great this. We have great that. Getting to that process early is really going to help you find which ones really do. Yes. Right. Um, which ones are you supporting you on your way up and not just waiting until you become a paycheck to them, essentially, yes. um, which one's going to help educate you beforehand. So just kind of want to encourage you. This is your business you're owning and and your brokerage is your partner. And you're yeah, that's yeah. just that flat out. You want to make sure you have a good partner in your business. One hundred percent. And I think that kind of brings us into the next question, which commonly is asked is what questions should I even be asking brokerages? Like what, what does that look like? And we'll definitely dive into what you should be asking or some good ones to ask. But what I would start off to follow Nathan's point is that we also see quite often, and it's not from everyone, but we, we've seen it quite often of a little bit of a misunderstanding, I think of what that brokerage relationship actually looks like. And sometimes, and again, as a new person, just studying for your license, you might not understand the industry as a whole yet. And that's totally fine. But Please do not be fooled that every brokerage wants you. So you mm -hmm. are very much interviewing brokerages when you go in. And so keeping that in mind, we do see it often, not that any, you know, every brokerage is a good brokerage. Everyone has a right fit that is for them. But I find a lot of people end up at brokerages that may not have been their first choice, but they wouldn't have even known that because some, they had a connection with someone mm -hmm. and they end up saying, oh, I've, I've already got a job lined up here because I know so-and-so but do not be fooled. You can go really wherever you want to go. So do your research, take your time, interview all the brokerages. You know, I wouldn't say land on somewhere before doing your research. Mm -hmm. Proceed with caution with every, with everyone. Yeah. yeah. I really want to go back to that because um, you're not wrong. Like, again, this is your business. And I, I don't know about you. When I first got in the industry, I didn't interview any brokerages. I actually did the interview process about three years after being in the industry. Oh, yeah. So I, I just, uh, I, I knew a guy who was my parents' realtor and he was like, oh, my brokerage has this program. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good to me. Sign me up. Um, and then I had no idea what was out there. I was like two years later and I'm like, I, I can't talk about what else is going on in the world. Yeah. And all brokerages are different. Like you have to look at what your business is. Uh, do you want to be not that there's anything problem anything wrong with these companies, but do you want to be Walmart or do you want to be what's the what's that big scale the good customer service one? I don't know. A high end clothing store. Clearly, yeah. I don't know these things. Uh, do you want to be Tim Hortons? Do you want to be Starbucks? Do you want to be Honda? Do you want to be BMW? Like th these are all questions yeah. that um, your broker is going to help you decide. They have some brokerages uh, when it comes to paying fees that are are very cheap and they offer very little services. They're going to allow you to go in, kill it at your business. Uh, you don't need really education. You don't need culture and support. And you just make a good living. Yeah. You have some others that are full service. They're going to help you with your offers. They're going to give you coaching right out the gate. They're going to completely educate you. Mm -hmm. They're going to have social nights. And maybe that's the environment you want to be in as well. So as you're interviewing, or I guess pre-interviewing brokerages, really think about this is your job for what? Well, statistically, the next two years. And if you partner with the right brand, the next 20 years. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And so what I would say is, so going into that process of starting to interview brokerages, the things that I would really think about first and foremost is what is important to you in a brokerage. And again, sometimes it's hard to determine that as a brand new agent, you might not understand their industry as a whole, and there might be some you know pieces of the puzzle missing for you at this point in time. But I would really 
just urge you to think about coming out of the gate as a brand new realtor, not really knowing that much, because we all know that real estate school doesn't really teach you how to actually work the business and get clients and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's definitely a disconnect in that area for sure. So really think about what is important to you in a brokerage. And oftentimes, the only things that people are aware of to know about or ask about is the financials, the splits, the, mm -hmm. the fees, all that. And do not get me wrong. All of that is very important. It's your business. You need to look at the numbers for sure. However, I can promise you the splits are not the most important thing. And I find people get way too caught up in splits. And if any of you listening to this have ever like met with me or interviewed with me or anything about, I always say, do not get caught up on splits. So I can't urge that enough because you really have to understand the structure of that business as a whole and why those splits are the way they are and what that money is going towards and all that kind of stuff to really make it make sense. Don't just get caught up on, oh, I'm getting a 90, 10 right off the bat. And that's great because it's not always great. So that's what I would say. Really, really think about what is important to you in a brokerage and whether that's training, whether that's education, whether it is just the splits, that's all you care about, whether it is, you know, a, a social aspect, whether it's a well-known, like whatever it might be, really think about that before going into it. Yeah, I kind of like that too. So I'd say, so number one, because mm -hmm. this is going to dive more to this. I want to talk about the splits. I love yeah. diving into this. Yeah. So once you establish the kind of business you want, yes. right? Um, and, and again, keep in mind, do you, are you going to be a commission cutter? Like that's, there are some people who make a living out of charging less than everybody else. That is a method of business. Do you want to provide a whole lot of services? Do you want to provide staging, photography, and everything else? Well, that's a different kind of business. So be in alignment with whatever brokerage shares those values. Because I'll tell you this, there is no such thing as a free lunch with any of these brokerages. Trust me, if they're giving it to you, they're somehow making money off of it. That yes. um, doesn't matter which one you're with. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Some brokerages like to offer free leads. Mm -hmm. How does that work out? Yeah. yeah, you're paying for it somewhere. You're paying for it somewhere. And this is something that you'll get to know. So on, on the topic of the financials and the splits and the money, the two common ones that you're going to look at are your monthly fees and then your splits with your brokerage. And so one way or the other, maybe one gives you a better split right off the bat, but are you also paying a ridiculous monthly fee? Just to let you guys know the difference of what the difference between a monthly fee is and a split is, is your monthly fee is a, a fee that you are going to pay to your brokerage every single month, whether you are producing and selling or not. You owe that. It's like a bill. It's a monthly bill. Whereas your, your split is a portion that comes off each commission check that you get when you actually do sell and do a transaction. So those are kind of the differences of those. And they all kind of go towards different things and, and work out in different ways. But um, again, you know, people get caught up on getting a really great split right off the bat, but then are paying like upwards of $800 mm -hmm. a month in monthly fees, whether you're selling or not. Like imagine as a brand new agent walking into that, having really no money and having to pay 800 bucks a month and not doing a single deal or making a single yeah. dollar. Crazy. And th there's a little bit of investment. So this kind of goes back to that split conversation too. Um, maybe they, they offer you really good splits and maybe they offer you very little money. Well, again, they're not going to give you enough service. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're costing that brokerage money. Yeah. So it, it just sounds like a good deal. And they're going off pure volume. A lot of brokerage hope you come in, hope you become a rock star. We'll tell you whatever you want to be a rock star. We'll make it super cheap, but they know the raw numbers. They know one out of 20 of them will become rock stars. So as long as they're not spending money on educating you and training you, waiting to see where you go, that's a big reason why a lot of them are cheaper. 
Um, you do have some brokerages that their splits are a little bit more substantial. They, they seem a little bit higher, yet you don't pay it if you don't sell. Mm -hmm. and, and that might be another model that might make sense to you to say, hey, listen, they're going to be vested in your production. They're vested in your success because if you're not successful, then they have wasted a whole lot of time, money and energy on nurturing you. Absolutely. So, so to your point, don't be afraid of what seems to be a bigger split versus a smaller one. Look at that background. 100%. And that's just why exactly why I say do not get caught up in splits. And when you are interviewing with brokerages, and they are telling you about their fees, their splits, their monthly fees, I really encourage you to dive deep into like, actually, like that breakdown of mm -hmm. how all that looks, and, and what it means, and just really understanding because again, sometimes, you know, a fee, uh, a monthly split seems like less, but their fees or their transaction fees or whatever are higher. And so you don't, it, it might not come out plain and simple, they might not explain it to you like completely out front, plain and simple. This is how it actually works. But in one way or another, they're still making the exact same amount of yes. money off you as a broker that charges a higher split or whatever it is. Right. So again, you are a profit source. Yeah. That is what we are to brokerages. Now I want to be very clear. There are some awesome brokerages out there uh, among all different brands. Mm -hmm. You still might be a profit source, but they might treat you very well. Like it's a big difference between working at Apple or working at Google versus working at GM, um, the way you get treated and benefits you have. And, and so that's kind of what you want to be looking for um, in that regard. Yeah, it's your partner, like you said, right? So, you know, as a partner, you might be bringing money into the company, like, let's say you look at it as a partnership, you know, mm -hmm. you guys run a business together, you may be going out and working your butt off and bringing in and making big dollars for the company. But your partner's there to support you and, and give you a lot to succeed and give you all the tools and the resources and handle a lot of stuff on the back end mm -hmm. and do all that to make it so that you are able to go out and make those big bucks, right? So exactly. Yeah. And, and kind of with when it, when it comes to those splits, ask what you're getting for it. Uh, okay, so some of this is just experience. But I can tell you on a Saturday evening, when you go to book a showing, and you get sent to an answering service, you just wanna pull your hair out because you know you're not getting a response. Well, not all brokerages are full service brokerages. Some people only have staff that get in say around 10 a.m. and leave around three, maybe nine to five, and then they don't work weekends or evenings. Some are nine to nine, open every evening and weekend. And if, if you're only thinking about the one deal, yeah. then maybe it's okay to get away with someone who's not full service. If you're thinking about the long term for your clients, though, yes. you want to provide the best service possible for that. So just be careful when you look at some of the discounts yeah. that you're getting out of it, because you might be paying for it in other ways. Yeah, and, and to that exact point, because that's a great one, Nathan, of just even certain hours that business operates and stuff like that, just think about it from the perspective of, again, let's say you're a brand new realtor listening to this. You've never even showed a house before. So at this point in time, it might not be the obvious thing to think about. And I get that. And that's why I keep mentioning, you might not fully understand the real estate industry as a whole yet and all the kind of components and aspects that go into mm -hmm. being a realtor. But just like, so imagine, just imagine that you have your first client, you have your first opportunity to work uh, with a buyer and you go to show a property. Maybe they contact you pretty last minute or whatever it is. And you're trying to book a showing for Saturday evening. You want to get working with this buyer and you go to call the brokerage and you're trying to book a showing and you cannot get in touch with anyone. You mm -hmm. cannot book that showing or it's like pulling teeth to just try to make this happen. And now your time's running out, like whatever it might be. 
just imagine the frustration as a realtor on that end, right? And, and, and it is, it is frustrating. And so that's why I say proceed with caution when making decisions, because you, I would say if that's the situation and as a realtor, you would be frustrated with that. A lot of other realtors will be, your clients mm -hmm. will, because imagine too, now being a realtor at that brokerage, you may potentially have had the clients that would have been the buyer of that property, but they couldn't get in for a showing because right. your office was not open during those hours. That reflects happened. poorly on you. Yeah. And on the reverse side, if you're the listing agent, so maybe there's some explanation to kind of go in this. I was just thinking that maybe we jumped a little bit of the yeah, explanation. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when you have a full service brokerage and I want to book, let's say I'm booking a, a showing on Stevie's listing. I call it the brokerage and I say, Hey, uh, I want to book a showing for one, two, three main street. Mm -hmm. That brokerage then calls her clients, which then get back to the brokerage, which then confirm the showing. When it's an answering service, I call them and say, I want to book one, two, three Main Street. That page goes directly to Stevie. They don't call the clients on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Now, I know this might shock you, but we occasionally like our evenings for families and outings. Mm -hmm. Might have had a few adult beverages while we're out. The last thing you want to be doing is calling and confirming um, appointments while you're on that finally good Tinder date. It's just going to spoil absolutely everything. So... That's what we're talking about and why it's kind of not good on either side, unless you're cool with managing that. Yeah. Um, if you're cool with managing that, then it's a great way to save money. And, and also when we say cool with managing that, we also mean like are going to manage it and do it mm -hmm. effectively. Because again, just like Nathan was saying, like you never know if it goes to your email and it's after hours and you're not like a maniac checking your email every five minutes, how much time has passed? when you even see that email, is it too late now? Is it now, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night? And that showing is obviously no longer going to happen. Your sellers are going to bed for the night. And you know what? And there's a missed opportunity right there. So it's, yep. it's not just, oh yeah, no problem. I could manage that. Like, can't like really think about it. Can you really <laughs> manage that at a high level to the point where you're not going to be dropping the ball for your clients? Right. And as we record this right now, we're in an extremely hot market. And I was in the 2017 market when it was extremely hot. hot. And I can tell you this, when we hit a wall, it is going to hit a wall. And there were a lot of homes that after we hit that wall, we, I was selling for 70, 80, 90,000 over asking still because we got that second offer. It mm -hmm. wasn't seven, it wasn't 10, it was two. Mm -hmm. So that showing that you may not have confirmed might've just been that second offer. You might've just cost your clients 50 to hundred grand. It, it, it could be quite costly at the end of the day. Absolutely. And if you're that realtor who cares more about your bottom line, that's also effectively costing you a lot in commissions at the same time. Yes. So that's a hidden cost in your savings that you would have had over a cheap split. Yeah, absolutely. And so we just dove pretty deep into kind of, you know, splits and stuff. And again, that's even, even that is just kind of tip of the iceberg of like really diving mm -hmm. into splits and what all that means. And, and we'll get into that more in, in a later episode, but I guess going back to other questions and stuff you can look for when interviewing brokerages, because again, splits is always going to be one of the biggest yeah. things, the main things. Um, but a few other things, and I think there's a few other things that I would say that a lot of other people maybe wouldn't, and that's going to depend on, of course, what's most important to you in a brokerage. However, something that I always say, of course, is so like training and education, that's a given, mm -hmm. um, especially as a new realtor, you know, you come yeah. out. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 no. So I, I was we say it's a given because, again, I just want to throw this out as a word of caution. Mm. Everybody has training in education, but not everybody has training in education. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry if I cut you no. off on that one, but like training calendars, take a look at them. Yeah. See what they're inviting to you to before you're even licensed. Okay, absolutely. now I'll quick cut you no, off. No, <laughs> absolutely. And, it's, and that's kind of what I was going to say, too, is that 
you know, once that stuff starts, once one thing is done by one brokerage that works and is good and it's attracting people, all the other brokerages pick up on it. It's like any kind of thing, you know, your competitors in any sort of business. When you do something that works, competitors pick up on it and they start doing it as well. So at this point in time, you know, every brokerage does offer training and education, but really like what kind of level of training and education really is it? Um, and what results come from that training and education? That's really important is actually looking at the producers, looking at, you know, the, the direct correlation of that type of training and education that is linked with the success of their realtors. So that's a big one. Um, also, I always say, you know, the splits and the fees, of course, looking to see what your broker is offering you and how much you're paying and the financial side of things, um, as well as I always say this, but the overall vibe of the office, mm -hmm. I find this really important. People don't think about it enough, but I always say if it's been a little bit weird the last you know, two years with COVID, but moving forward, if you are given the opportunity to interview a brokerage in person, I highly recommend going right to the office and doing it in person so you can get a good feel for the overall atmosphere mm -hmm. of the brokerage. And what I mean by this is literally one, what does the office look like? Is it like crazy old, outdated, you know, dingy? Because again, it's a reflection of you. You're going to have clients that come in there that meet with you, drop off deposit checks, all that kind of stuff. And it is a reflection of you. How do the front desk staff greet you, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's the vibe? Because again, it's a reflection of you. What is the demographic? Are you, you know, 21 years old getting your real estate license and every single person in the office is like 60, 70 years old? <laughs> I've been to a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's the case, because, and the reason I say that is not because there's anything wrong with it, but that office is likely going to cater towards what their main demographic is. And so if you're a young person that's utilizing, you know, social media and stuff like that a lot, they might not be giving you the tools and the training to help you grow in that department because right. it's not their main demographic. And then another big one that I always say to ask about, this is so important and people don't ask about it, is broker of record support. Mm -hmm. I say this all the time. Yes, every office has to have a broker of record, but there's a lot of bad brokers of records out there. And there are many people you could ask them who their broker of record is and they couldn't even tell you. Yeah. And that is wild. And just to clarify for you guys, a broker of record is someone, an office has to have one to open up. It's essentially the person that handles kind of the like legality side of things. Mm -hmm. Like for example, if, if you ever have a deal that goes sideways, which I promise you, you will at one point in your, <laughs> in your career happens to the best of us. They are going to be the person there to support you when crap hits the fan for, you know, lack of better words. Um, and they're also supposed to be there to help you. So that doesn't happen mm -hmm. to put things in place that protects you, protects your clients and protects the transactions as a whole. And I know for us, like, I can't say it enough. We have such an excellent broker of record that that's what's made me realize the importance of it. Yes. If you don't have that, you might not realize the importance of it, but I, I think it's one of the most important. Yeah. Things. I, there, there's, a, there's a whole lot to touch on that. Cause like, you're absolutely correct. Your broker record is absolutely massive. And the, the story's, I hate to tell you guys this right now, but buckle in. <laughs> You're going to have more problems in deals than smooth deals. Yes. Almost every yeah. deal is problematic in some form. Like, yeah. you're almost surprised. You're like, yeah. that was too easy. Yeah, yeah. You, you almost feel guilty. Yes. Like you need to like somehow take them out for a bigger meal to I say know. thank you. I like, know. oh, that sold in two days with no problems. So awesome. Um, so broker record support so big. The, that culture idea too, by the way, is also very big. Again, every brokerage is going to tell you they have culture. And over the last two years, if you've been with a brokerage over the last two years that you feel the culture is lacking, give it some time. COVID's beginning to open back up. I know we're just starting our social events again. We're starting to get out with a, as a brokerage. Give us some time to open up. But who you're rubbing shoulders with matters. Um, if you're, this is literally a fish tank and a fish conversation. You will grow to the tank that you're with. 
And if you are a top agent in your office within the first three to five years, and you're not making six, almost seven digit figure numbers, you are in an office that you've grown too big for. Yeah. And, and that's kind of a, a starting point. The question you have to ask yourself is where do you want to start? I personally made the choice to be a minnow in a giant fish tank, right? With sharks. Cause I get to learn how to be a shark. I've known people though, who, who have come over, who have been the top agent at their brokerage and they've come over to a different brokerage where now all of a sudden they're maybe top 20%, yeah. right? And they just couldn't handle it. And that's okay too. They, they wanted to go back, but these are important questions you have to ask yourself about who you're rubbing shoulders with. Don't forget, you are the sum of the top five people you associate with. Yes. So make sure they're good. Yeah, that's something that I've learned a lot more. Like people will say that that's a common mm -hmm. you know, saying and, it, and it's very true. I feel like since being in real estate and since really challenging myself to grow my career bigger and even take my career in you know different directions and stuff mm -hmm. now, I've really realized how true that rings of like who you surround yourself with is kind of who you are. And also equals like the opportunities you're going to receive too. Like it's, it's, a, it's really, really mm -hmm. true. So keep that in mind. And again, you know, when choosing a brokerage, something I will always say is that it's really going to depend on what you are looking to do with your business and get out of it. But one red flag I will mention to kind of sum this up is when you go to interview with brokerages and they start telling you right off the hop, everything about their brokerage, um, you know, how great it is, how it's going to benefit you, why they're the best. That's fine. Every brokerage is going to do that in their own way. But if they do that without even asking about you first and who you are and where mm -hmm. you're looking to take your career and, you know, what avenue are you doing residential? Are you doing commercial? Like, what are you interested in? How could they ever even possibly speak on it being the best fit for you or how it's going to benefit you or whatever, exactly. right? And so that is a red flag because, of course, every brokerage is going to have a little bit of a presentation of like what their brokerage is all about. It just is what it is. Like, we're going to tell you what it's about. But I need to know about you first. I need to know if you're the right fit, like, you know, to have the ineffective conversation. So, and I really want to draw attention to this point um, because as I mentioned, I, I've been with three brokerages in my career. And I think, uh, Stevie, you've only been with one, yeah. um, which is it's awesome to have two different points of perspective. When I made one substantial move, I went to a place that I heard really not a lot of good things about, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, I got told that I would, again, I'd just be a paycheck. It'd be in and out. Like it wasn't great. It was phenomenal. I loved it there. Uh, if it wasn't for a different life opportunity, I, I would have probably stayed there. Mm -hmm. So just go explore things for yourself um, to that point. Yeah. A big red flag, if they're dogging another brokerage, uh, probably not a good sign. Yeah. Um, remember what they're willing to say about someone else. They'll say about you mm -hmm. on another time. So for sure. careful with that. Yeah. And I, and I think too, again, to that note, depending on what type of person you are, like, I also, I also respect someone who's a bit of like a straight shooter and can kind of maybe give their perspective. There's a difference between someone coming to you and literally throwing other brokerages mm -hmm. under the bus and having basically the interest in mind of like my brokerage is the best and that's all I'm going to allow you to see as opposed to maybe just a different perspective of someone who kind of understands the industry mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more than you do or really what their brokerage can have to offer. I think it's okay for people to give honest opinions and perspectives but it has to be done in a very respectful way. And again, understanding that everyone has a right fit for them. So yes. your brokerage might not be their, their right fit and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know for me, I'm always, I'm all for if someone asks my honest opinion on a brokerage, I will give it to them no matter what I think. But 
still making sure I ask them, well, what are you looking for? Like, yes. I need to know that first. Like, what's important to you? What's, you know. I want to go back to your first point. If they don't know your goals, mm -hmm. then how are they actually going to fit it to you well? Yeah. Um, and and I'll, again, just, I love giving examples for stuff. Yeah. I, I knew a guy in the industry. Uh, I worked for a brokerage that had a lot of culture. It had a lot of education. He came over, I think he did 30 ends in his first year in real estate. And he's like, I don't use any of this. He is never in the office. He never came to a social event. He didn't really take a part of any of the education. We were not a fit for him. It, yeah. it, it was a whole different fit. And that's okay. Uh, as a recruiter, if you're not a fit for our brokerage, I will try send you to one that you are a fit for. To Stevie's point though, if, if you're with someone who makes it sound like theirs is the only model that's working, that's a red flag. Exactly. Uh, another quick red flag, by the way, mm -hmm. if they don't know what a database or lead generation is and Absolutely. good systems around it. Yeah. So uh, I had this conversation this morning. Your database is your lifeblood. Um, you, you either have to pay for it, you go get it, maybe they offer you one, but it is your lifeblood uh, to your business. It's what makes it that you're not cold calling in 10 years or door knocking. Maybe you will be, maybe you won't be, but that is what your baby is. So a lot of a lot of brokerages will talk about lead generation on how to build that database, but they won't give you a system on protecting that database. Mm -hmm. So please, please get with a place that understands a database. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic mm -hmm. point. I agree 100%. And then on that note, I mean, again, a lot of these topics we can dive a lot deeper into on each specific topic, and we will as as the episodes go on. Um, but the next thing I would say is, so you've chosen a brokerage now, let's say you make a decision on a brokerage and you know, you're ready to start your licenses come in, like you are ready to really, you know, hit the ground running. What next? Cause again, as, as we know, and speaking specifically on the real estate here in Toronto, uh, the common <laughs> thing that, that everyone says, and we all know, and we've all experienced it is that when you come out of it, you still do, there is a disconnect from getting licensed to actually understanding how to build a business now and, and really, you know, get clients and do all that. So what do you do? And so I guess first of I would say, I mentioned it, I touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but if you do have that brokerage chosen um, for when you do finish, first step is obviously getting registered, fully getting registered and your brokerage will handle that. So yes. they will, you know, they'll ask you for all the paperwork that they need from you, which includes like your police check and all that kind of stuff. And they'll send it all over. They'll deal with Rico. They'll do all of that for you so that you actually are official, an officially registered salesperson and you're allowed to start trading mm -hmm. in real estate. And that does take a couple of weeks. So it can, yeah. It's important to mention that because, you know, you, there is a little bit of time there where you got to get things set up and, and get going. And in that time, while you're waiting for the registration and everything to come in, that's usually a good time to start on your, you know, your headshots and getting your branding done and all that kind of stuff. And to speak on branding, um, depending on what brokerage you go to, some are a lot more free with what you're allowed to do yep. and encourage you to really make branding your own. Others are more strict with, you know, staying within their kind of branding. So it just depends on what you choose. But no matter what, and you, you learn this in school, there is always going to be certain RICO requirements mm -hmm. around like, you know, putting certain logos on, on your business cards and all that. So I would suggest if you are ever going to get your cards or anything done off something like Vistaprint, um, which is fine. Just make sure you have your broker of record or someone go over it before you hey, actually. There's that broker of record again. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, before you actually spend the money and order hundreds of them, <laughs> because if you get them back and they're non-compliant, well, even if they were cheaper on Vistaprint, you still wasted X amount of money yeah. that you can't use now, right? So just make sure you have all that in place and uh, that's all correct before you spend money. And I, I see a lot of people really stress about their branding. 
Okay. <laughs> I love this. I, I, I'm a branding guy. If you ever see, I, I love branding myself. Does being with a brokerage with a giant brand help you? Yes. It will help you in some regards to your business and it'll not help you in other regards to your business, i.e. you're promoting a big brand, but not yourself. Does helping joining a brokerage that is maybe less known, but allows you to brand yourself, help you or not help you? Sure. You might have to work a little bit harder at your scripts, but at least you're building something of your own. So again, go back to the kind of business that you want to create out of this. Absolutely. Oh, and one last thing. One just, okay. And when you pick your email address, first of all, do not, please do not use a gmail.com account. I refuse to use any service that has a gmail.com account. One cent, one cent a year, go to godaddy.com, pick a domain name. The other thing, be careful. Let's say you use a, a branded um, a branded site, like for example, uh, your name at remax.com, your name at Century 21, or your name at EXP, or your name at Keller Williams, whatever case it is. This is actually, I want to touch this as a red flag thing. Yeah. Um, you're stuck with them as you use that email address. So I know for myself, right out the gate, I've changed it since then. But my first email address was Nathan at NathanGraham.ca because if I've made a wrong choice, trust me, switching brokerages is not difficult. I could take that with me. Yeah. A lot of brokerages too, and this is that red flag, and I know I'm rewinding, but I got to talk about this. They will do things for you, okay? But be careful on the difference between service and not allowing you to be able to do it yourself. For example, a lot of brokerages, I know some brokers, not a lot, some brokerages will write all your offers for you and they'll do all your paperwork for you. As a matter of fact, I knew one that wouldn't allow you to write your own offers for about the first three to five years while you were with them. Okay, that's cool. You're like, I pay money, they're doing this job. I don't need to hire an admin, it sounds really good. Now though, you're not being taught how to be self-sufficient. Now you're stuck to that brokerage because they found a way to keep you there. So make sure when you look for a brokerage, we just ran into this recruit this week, when make sure when you see, when you get a brokerage that they teach you, they support you, but they teach you to be self-sufficient. Yes, that's a really good point. I gotta tell you, I'm like sitting here shocked right now because <laughs> I, I, I'm, it's, a, it's a known thing. There are definitely some brokerages that do offers for you. They have the front desk or certain admin that will do all that. That's fine. That's not news to me. I've never heard it to that mm -hmm. extent. And to me, that's wild. And again, this is just playing devil's advocate a little bit. As much as I 100% see the value, especially in certain circumstances or as like a brand new agent to have someone to write offers for you and stuff like that can be very, very helpful. Again, playing devil's advocate a little bit for me in my situation, my perspective is like, I would never trust somebody else to write mm -hmm. my offer for me. Like I, you know, I'm like, this is my client's biggest transaction. This is a huge deal. I'm representing them. And I'm way too scared to have someone who's maybe not actually a realtor or whatever it is, write my offer for me. But yep. it, that just depends. Cause I can understand as a brand new agent out of the gate with no experience, you know, looking for that guidance yes. and stuff that you can get. So it really depends, depends on what you see value in and whatnot. But I agree. So, uh, a place that won't even allow you to write your own offers, that's mm -hmm. like scary to me. That's yeah. that's a big red flag. And just quickly going to this database conversation, I haven't seen this. I've only heard rumors of it. So this is just rumors, but make sure you can export your database. If you go to a brokerage and build a database, that again, 
your database is your baby. That is your yes. lifeblood. Make sure you have that with you. Even if you have to spend a little bit of extra and go external, that's your, your baby. So yeah. by the way, that's another thing, place where you begin. Yes. And just, <laughs> just so anyone who's listening to this, if, if you don't quite know exactly what a database is yet, it's literally your lifeline to business. So it's, it's essentially a place and you can use different you know, websites or whatever it is for it. Some people even use like an Excel spreadsheet. Don't recommend it, but just so you get the idea, it's basically a place where you store all the names, numbers, information, addresses of people that you know, clients, past clients, future potential clients, which are essentially called leads um, and stuff like that, right? And so it's it's storing it in one place so that you have all that mm -hmm. contact information and all that. So like Nathan's saying, if you were to join somewhere that maybe gives you a free thing that you to use as a database. It's called a CRM. Um, but when you go to leave that brokerage, let's say you want to make a change in a few years after you've spent your last two years building that database, putting all those names in, and that is literally what's going to fuel your business for the next few years. And you can't take that with you. That's, that's basically starting all over again. Mm -hmm. So again, that's a huge thing that you need to be aware of if that's, a, you know, the case. So for sure, definitely that's, that's, that's your lifeline. <laughs> Where else do we begin? Um, oh yeah. So yeah. I would say just to, to finish it off. So again, what's, what's next, what's the next step. So after you choose your brokerage, do your branding, do all that. The next question that we get asked all the time is like, what now, how do mm -hmm. I actually get business? What do I do? And so the, the best answer I can say to that is work your sphere of influence. So it's lead generation, but in the beginning, when you don't really have a large database, you wanna work something that's called your sphere of influence. And what that is, is it's people that you already know, they like you and they trust you. So this could be friends and family to name the most obvious mm -hmm. ones. But outside of that, it could be the barista that you see every single day at Starbucks. It could be parents that you see when you drop your kids off at you know school other parents from sports teams of your kids, things like that, your hairdresser, your nail esthetic, like whoever you speak to, you mm -hmm. know, they know you, those people, you want to let them know you're in real estate. You want to let them, you want to ask them about real estate. Do they know anyone who's looking to make a move? Going to the people directly that you already know and have a relationship with, that is your first place to start. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that I'd be doing right uh, off the hop. I kind of want to uh, want to touch on that too. Mm -hmm. um, again, story time, because I love stories. I shoot pool. I play pool league. Mm -hmm billiards, whatever case may be. I think this year alone, I've closed seven, eight deals from a pool league I was in a few years ago. Um, that sphere of influence, if you're a social person and uh, you want to feed that database, get into groups, figure out what your hobbies are. Yeah. Start thinking about this stuff now. Be like, yeah. you know what? I, I've gotten more than a couple of deals uh, just because instead of in lieu of an office, I used to go grab a pint, watch the Jays game. And I do all my data entry at the pub. It's gotten me playoff tickets to the Raptors because I got to know all the reps. I've helped bar or servers and bartenders find homes just from that little bit of a change. By no means am I telling you create a whole lead generation plan around just drinking. Um, <laughs> probably not the best vote. idea. Um, I'm just saying, keep an eye on be be a social person. Like yes. that's our job is social. So. On that note, too, is something I'll say is there, I would say there's a few types. There is many, many forms of lead generation and what you can do. I would say some of the most common are door knocking, cold calling, mm -hmm. which are our most like old school known, but they're very effective and they work. I'd say social media is a strong one. And then I always say and just having a strong social game. And mm -hmm. people don't I know a person as well. He was actually um, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He was rookie of the year when he started um 
you know, in real estate. And he, same thing, he, he didn't door knock, he didn't do any of that, but he was in a dart league, he was in a poker league, he was in a pool league, he did all that kind of stuff and he just had a strong social game and that's where he got his business. Gee, how did yeah. you make a quarter of a million dollars last year? I don't know, drinking, playing pool, shooting darts. Yeah. It's a 100%. rough life, you know. Yeah, but like seriously, so it just depends, but you got to do that stuff, right? Like if you're, if you're not someone who is involved in maybe mm -hmm. like sports or whatever, maybe you don't have kids that are involved in sports, you either got to get into that stuff and kind of step out of your comfort zone or maybe a different form of lead generation is the and way to go. Make sure you become a little bit aware of a little bit of everything. Um, I like sports, so I talk to people about sports a lot. Mm -hmm. I do not like the Real Housewives stuff or The Bachelorette, <laughs> but I'll tell you this, I keep I up on The Bachelorette, so when I have that weird conversation, I can throw something into it. Yeah. So. Um, just keep an eye on all these electro things, trends and everything else that's going on. Yeah, for sure. And then, so again, just to continue on, I know we'll, we'll there's so much we can dive yeah. into on each and every topic. Um, but yeah, working your sphere of influence, that's really the place to start. Starting to build that database, keeping in mind, guys, that your first year in real estate, your first few years in real estate, we know they're rough. They really are. There's there's going to be some pain involved. You, I mean, you hear it time and time again. And I just want to make it really clear that the reason why is because that first year is very much just your building year. A lot of leads and stuff that you are going to get naturally are not going to play out for a few years. So there's going to be a period of time where you're doing a lot of the legwork and you don't feel like you're seeing any results from it. It is going to come. All the work that you are doing right now is fueling your business for the next few years to come. So just don't ever get discouraged and keep doing it. But, but that's why the first year is rough because it's a building year. So just know that going into it, be prepared. Don't feel like the efforts that you are putting in aren't doing anything. They are. It's mm -hmm. just you're, you're getting the momentum going. It just hasn't launched yet, but it will. And on that note, something else that I would say is... Um, oh shit, I, I <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll touch it on that one thing. Um, one, one of the... the harder things in this industry is, is exactly that. We are always forward moving and forward thinking. Like for example, we're November 8th today. It's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. Um, it's uh, November 8th today. Our business planning clinic was last week for, or last, yeah, last week for 2022. I, I'm not even thinking about 2021 anymore in my business. I am focused on 2022 now and, and what that's gonna look like. So we are, what I do today, gets me a paycheck in three months. Absolutely. So be forward thinking. Yeah, I just remembered what I was gonna say too. Perfect. Thought. And maybe I'll leave you with this, a little bit of words of encouragement for any you know newer realtors out there, or even any realtors that are a few years in, but maybe are still feeling that struggle to take off. But going back to the first year in real estate, it's tough. We're told time and time again, your first year is gonna be rough, like be ready for it. And yes, do be prepared for it. Because often we see realtors who drop out simply because they're not prepared for it. Um, so be prepared. However, every, uh, every year, most, um, brokerages have like an awards gala, right? Mm -hmm. We look forward to them every year. It's kind of what we work. It's sort of just that validation of what we worked our butts off for all year. It's like my and, favorite time of year. Yeah. And it's always a good time. It's fun. It's, you know, nice to just kind of pat yourself on the back a little bit. Um, but one thing our brokerage does is we have every single year, we have a rookie of the year award. And so something I always tell new agents when I'm speaking with them is, yeah, definitely be prepared for your first year to be tough. It's probably going to be, this is why don't give up. However, there's no reason why you can't be that rookie of the year. Yeah. Right. And every single year there always is, there's that one person that just takes off for whatever reason, they just hit the ground running. There's no reason why you can't be that person. Right. So yes, be prepared for the worst, but Put that on your vision board, you know, like be ready for it and strive for that. And there is no reason why you can't have a killer first year in real estate.
doesn't mean it's not a guarantee it's going to be the worst year ever. It could be great. You never know. And have fun too. Mm -hmm. It's an awesome industry. All right. Anything else to add? No, I think look we'll... at that. We're like 44 minutes. Are we? Perfect. Yeah. Okay, yeah think... All right. I don't know what next week's going to bring. I know we are going to be talking about lead generation. I know we're going to be talking about how to build teams. This is going to be for newer agents as well as experienced agents. We want to run the whole gambit. We're talking about mindset goals. Uh, we'll just keep it going. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please, uh, I think I speak for both of us. Again, I'm Nathan. That's Stevie. Please reach out if you guys have any questions at all. Shoot it on the page. Um, if you just want to grab lunch and kind of chat about what that future looks like and for us to make sense of all this, that, that's exactly what we're here for. We both have a desire to see you grow. So Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Until next week. Have a great day.